So we do have a different service planned this morning. Um, still worship, prayer, scripture, but primarily prayer. Instead of walking through a passage and teaching through it, um, we're going to take a section at a time and pray through it. And I just thought that we've been in the book of Acts. I know we took some time out at Christmas for Matthew 1 and 2 in the Jesus Storybook Bible. But that as we're seeing in Acts the way that God is building his church, the things that he's doing, the way that he's working, it seemed like the perfect place to stay and just say, okay, the things that we see God doing in Acts, let's pray as we start this new year for God to be doing them in us and in this church and through us. And so we're going to pick right back up where we were uh, starting at the end of Acts 15 and verse 36 and going through chapter 16, which was the last section we looked at several weeks ago, about four weeks ago. And we're going to walk chunk by chunk through it and stop every few minutes. And I'm just going to pull out a few things and say, hey, here's some things we see in this section. Let's pray those together. And we're just going to have time for, corporate, for you to pray right where you are. Um, and I'll give you, like, just pray for this. And I'm just going to ask that we would be praying together during this time this morning for the things that we're asking God to do, the things that we want to see as we head into this new year. And in a lot of ways, I really do mean this. In a lot of ways, this is the most important thing that we'll do all year corporately as a church. I'm just that we would pray for what God's going to do, that there are things that only he can do, and so we're going to ask him to do it, we're going to trust him to do it, and also the things that matter the most are the things that we need him to do, the things that we can't do. And so this is us focusing on those things, and these are the things that really and truly matter, and we're dependent on God to do them. And so that's what's coming in just a second. As we get started, I do want to share just a few different sort of announcements with you, but I feel like they also set the context for us being excited about what God's doing and praying about what's coming up. And so, first of all, this past week, um, I got to meet with Miguel and Faith Saxara, who are missionaries in Peru. Um, they were here with us back in May, if you were here that Sunday, and, and we've been partnering with them and supporting them, and they were back uh, hopping around to several places, visiting people and saying thanks. Um, and so they were in Nashville during the week, not here today. They're in North Carolina now. And so I got to meet with them, and I got to give them a check from the church when we did our children's art show um, to raise money for them to buy Bibles for kids. We got to hand it to them directly, and we were able to give them $2,400 uh, to buy Bibles. And they were telling us the story, Miguel was like, just before we left, we got this new soccer group, and six kids came to faith in Jesus. You know, for the very first time, none of them have Bibles, and so there's already the need there, and they were super thankful and super excited. Um, and we're talking about some things. They may be back in August. Maybe we'll get to see them then. But also, I just wanted to share this story with you because it fits so well with how God works and what he does. And one of the reasons that we would pray to start the year, because there's a whole year coming up that we have no idea what's really, like, if we're honest, we have no idea what's coming. Like, we can't see 10 minutes from now, let alone 10 months from now. And God sees the whole thing, and he knows the whole thing, and he's preparing things for us and preparing us for things that we don't even see yet. And so with Faith and Miguel, um, Faith had worked for the same online teaching company for three years as a source of income for them while they were doing ministry in Peru. Two years ago, the ministry had grown so much, they started with just the two of them. Right now they've got 50 coaches underneath them, like scattered all across Peru with all these soccer teams and soccer clubs. But the ministry had grown enough two years ago, they felt like Miguel needed to be working full-time in the ministry. And so then this teach, online teaching was their only source of income for the next two years. Well, this past year in April, they really felt like God was telling them, the ministry's grown so much, I need you to focus on this so much that you've got to take a step of faith and neither of you need to be working 
outside the ministry. The ministry needs to be your full-time thing. So that's why they were here in May. They were fundraising, trying to raise enough that both of them could focus full-time on the ministry and not work another job. And they told us at that time they needed about $2,000 a month to cover their needs. So they started raising in April and in May, and God provided where they were within $300 of their goal. And if you're still interested in giving something to them to get them to their month, they've had $1,700 a month committed. Now, every month God's provided for them. They were saying, we've got, we know we've got that coming in. We should be $300 short, but we get these one-time gifts kind of out of nowhere, out of the blue that we don't expect. And every month it's covered what we've needed. So they, they've both been able to work in the ministry full time. But this is the great part of the story. So in April, they felt God saying, once you take this step of faith, give up your income, ask people to support you. They do that April, May. In June, they go back to Peru and they start their ministry again. And the company that Faith had been working for the past three years shuts down, like goes out of business. And so literally... Two months in advance, God tells them, I want you to go raise money. And they think, this is a I'm giving up income and taking a step of faith. And God's saying, no, I know your income's going away, and I want to make sure you have it when it goes away. And I just, that is how God works. That is what he does. We actually see it today when we get into the beginning of chapter 16 here with Paul on this next missionary journey. We're going to pray through that. But I just want to encourage you. That's why we would pray. That's why we would look to him. He knows things we don't. He has things we don't. He can do things we can't. And so that's what we're doing this morning. Along those same lines, next Sunday is going to be a, a fun morning too because at the time, her name was Celia Schoen. Um, but if you remember Celia, a member of our church, two years ago, we commissioned her and sent her as a missionary to Egypt. And she is back in the States now and is going to come and visit with us next Sunday morning. Just give us an update on what God's done in her life the past two years. And God's done a lot in her life uh, the past two years. And we'll save all that for her. She can share with you. But so she's going to be here, and we're probably just going to do kind of a question and answer and let her share with you for however long we need in the morning service and then maybe have a little bit of teaching time at the end that connects in with that. Uh, but I think it's going to be great just to hear the way that God called out one of our members and has had them with the nations, on, a, on the mission field for the past two years, showing himself, working, teaching more about who he is and for her to share that with us. So I hope you'll be here next Sunday morning uh, to hear from her and, and hear ways that we can continue to, to pray for her and support her as God continues to use her in ministry, even as he's brought her back to the States. So that's next Sunday morning. And then um, the week after that, and we're almost done with these, but I think it's good for you to know what's coming up, the elders, Keith and Adam and I, we've got a meeting with Solomon Foundation, who's our lender. We told you that would be coming up. And I told you about a month ago when we were talking about finances that we'd give you an, an update just as things moved along and keep giving you more information. And so here's the update a month in after the initial announcement. In December, um, for the month of December, our giving exceeded our monthly need. So that's really good news. Uh, thank you and thank God. Uh, for providing in that way. And so a month ago, I said, hey, the way things have been going, we've got about eight months of reserves and savings. And so a month later, I would say, hey, the way things are going, we've got about eight months of reserves and savings. Uh, we didn't tap any reserves uh, to make the, the loan payment this month. And so just wanted you to know that that was a great month. Now, obviously, it's one month. It's the end of the year. We know all that stuff. But I told you we would tell you where we are. That's where we are right now as far as that goes. We are meeting with Solomon in a couple of weeks, if you'd be praying about that. Um, and then I wanted to clear up one thing that it seems like maybe I didn't say it clearly enough or maybe we played the telephone game and you know, by the time it gets around, 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 it comes back and it's something way different than what you said. When we gave you that information last month, that was just, hey, this is where we are right now. And what we would like to do is share this far enough in advance 
that all of us can be praying together, that God will lead us and be clear in whatever he's trying to say, whatever decisions we need to make. But if you could hear this this morning, and if, if you want to, like when you talk to people who aren't here or whatever, you can send them to this exact moment on the recording of the live stream and let them listen to this next thing, all right? So here it is, and you can just find it and be like, at, at 42.13, listen, right here. So here we go. We haven't made any decisions yet. How many decisions have we made? <laughs> None, <laughs> all right? We're not saying, hey, in four months we're doing this, or in eight months we're doing this, or in, we're certainly not saying in eight months we're closing the doors, Okay? We have not said that at all. What we're saying is we feel like over these next eight months, God's going to have to show us how do we respond to this situation. Maybe, maybe he continues to move in people's hearts and we give in a way that we say, okay, this is what we're supposed to keep doing. Maybe he moves in people's hearts and we give in a way that we say, hey, we have everything we need, but we think he's getting our attention to tell us to do a few things differently. What are those things? Maybe, maybe he doesn't move in people's hearts in that way and we say, okay, we... Financially, we have to do something different. What is that something different? It's, we're not going to stop making disciples, and we're not going to stop following Jesus. It may look exactly like this. It may look totally different than this, but we don't know that part yet. Does that make sense? And so what we're doing right now is exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to keep praying, and we're going to keep seeking God, and we're going to keep following Jesus, and we're going to ask him to make it clear. And as there's information, we'll share it with you. Like a Right now, that's the update. Last month was a great month in terms of giving. Um, so nothing's really changed on that front right now. We've got a meeting in a couple of weeks. We'll let you know after that. But I just, the, the best I can, and I know, like I know we all want answers and like certainty just makes us feel more comfortable and secure. But the truth is, and again, we're going to see it in chapter 16, a lot of times following Jesus, we don't get all the answers up front. Right? We get a step at a time. He says, follow me here. And we follow there. And then we get there. He says, okay, now you're ready to follow me here. And so, this month, we're going to follow him for this month. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask him to lead, and we'll see where he takes us. But that also means that we aren't making decisions that it's not time for us to make yet, that he's not made it clear for us to make. What we know is we're supposed to be gathering as his body, praying together, worshiping together, studying the Bible together, asking him to use us to make disciples together, and we're going to keep doing that. And if he has us keep doing it in the exact same way, we'll do it in the exact same way. If he has us tinker with a few things and do things slightly differently so we make disciples better, we'll do it that way. If he has us blow the whole thing up and do it in a whole new way, we'll do that. And we'll still be his church making disciples the way he leads us to. Is that fair enough for now? We good right now? All right, so no decisions have been made long term yet. We're not making that type of announcement. We're making the type of announcement that says, hey, we want you to know that some kind of decisions are going to need to be made over time. We don't even know for sure what those are yet because we've got to walk through some of that time together, but we just don't want you to be surprised. We want to be as open and honest and transparent as we can in that communication so that everybody knows where we are all along the way. And that's where we are. Like we're early in along the way right now. Um, hopefully that's good enough. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time right now. Please speak to us and teach us out of your word, as only you can. Show us, Father, right now, the things that we should be praying for, the things that we need you to do, that we should want you to do, the things that you do when you pour out your spirit and build your church. And we ask that you'll be doing those things in and through us this morning and this year, as only you can. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right.
So we're Acts 15, 36. This first section, I'm just going to read to the end of chapter 15. And I'd like to pull out three prayer points. And after each one, we're going to stop for a minute. And I'm just going to ask you to pray that all of us, just where you are up here, will be praying this together. And after each section, we're going to worship together again. And then come back and do another section and pray together. So Acts 15 right here. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches." And so when we looked at this a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that this is a really hard moment in the early church. You've got two of the, the biggest leaders, the, 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 two, the first two missionaries commissioned and sent out to start churches all across the known world in Paul and Barnabas, and they've been partnered together in ministry ever since Paul was converted. Like when Jesus appeared to him supernaturally and changed Paul's heart and changed him from Saul to Paul, Barnabas was the one that came alongside him, and they've been partnered together in ministry, and now they have a blow-up, a disagreement so severe that they break fellowship with one another. It's like, we, we can't serve together. And the disagreement is over John Mark, who had gone on the first missionary trip with them and then abandoned them in the middle of the trip. And so when they're starting back up, Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark with us again. Basically, let's give Mark a second chance. Let's forgive him for what he's done, restore him to this spot, take him and, and continue to disciple him and help him to grow as he serves with us. And Paul says, no, he can't go with us. I don't trust him because of what he did. He shouldn't come with us. And Paul says, absolutely not. And Barnabas says, I insist. And Paul says, absolutely not. And Barnabas says, I insist. And Barnabas finally says, fine, I'll take Mark with me. You do what you're going to do. Paul takes Silas with him. This is a bad moment, right? This is not what God wants for his people. We know at the very least, even if you want to say, maybe, maybe Paul's right. And some of our personalities are going to say Paul's right. And maybe you're going to say, no, Barnabas is right. And I probably lean that way, given this, the tenor of the whole Bible, that Barnabas was right in this situation. Of course, we know there's other situations, like we read about in Galatians 2, where Barnabas is the one that's wrong. Like, none of these people are perfect. None of these leaders are infallible. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to get it wrong sometimes. But however you lean, we know this, that the Holy Spirit is never conflicted within himself. And so if Paul and Barnabas were, were listening to the Spirit and hearing correctly they would have found a way to, to agree. So just the fact that there's this disagreement and this splitting means that we've got a failure in these early church leaders to be led by the Spirit, the way, at least one of them, to be led by the Spirit the way they should be. And this comes right on the heels of them going to that huge meeting in Jerusalem where the gospel was at stake, and you had these legalistic Jewish Christian Pharisees who were saying the Gentiles have to obey the whole Jewish law and be circumcised in order to be saved. Believing in Jesus isn't enough. They've got to keep the Jewish law too. And Paul and Barnabas had stood side by side, and they had fought for the true gospel, the gospel that we had called Jesus alone, Jesus only, Jesus period, right? Jesus plus nothing, just Jesus and they so publicly and so faithfully fought for the gospel, and then they turn right around after that, and, and at least one of them misses the gospel. And so our first prayer point where I want to start right here is just recognizing our own need 
and how fickle we are and how we can sit here this morning and say, yeah, we want God to do this. We're asking God to do this and we can turn right around two days from now and totally miss the gospel. But just to start with this right here, ask God to give us faithfulness. To live out the gospel. That it won't just be something that we say. That when we, yeah, we say we believe that. But that it would really saturate our heart and our lives and we would live it out in the way that we interact with one another and the way that we interact with people who totally blow it, the way that we interact with people in the world, that we would be saturated with the gospel. And so I'm just going to ask you to take just a minute and just pray this, that God will give us faithfulness to live out the gospel. So let's pray together. Father, please give us faithfulness to live out the gospel. Work in us by your Spirit. Soften our hearts so that we really believe that you have done all this by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, and that that would transform the way that we think and the way that we live and the way that we love and that your gospel would explode in this church and in our lives. Please, Father, give us faithfulness to live out the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next truth that stood out to me to pray for was ask God to unite us around the gospel. You know, at its root here, this division between Paul and Barnabas is do we restore this guy or not? Do we give this guy a second chance or not? And the fact that they can't agree on whether or not they should do that is what divides them. And it is at its core. It is, as far as I can see, Paul failing to do toward Mark what Barnabas had already done toward Paul. Like when nobody wanted to believe that Paul deserved another chance after the way that he had treated the early church, Barnabas comes and says, no, we're giving him another chance. And he takes him and he, he puts him in teaching positions and he introduces him to people. And he says, God's done a work in Paul. We can trust the work of God. And now here Paul fails to do that with Mark and Barnabas, true to character, saying, no, I, I believe this for Mark too. I believe that God can work in Paul, Mark. I believe that God can change Mark. And just so you know, I know we're bashing Paul. I'm bashing Paul over now. Paul comes back later. And uh, in some of his letters, we see him writing and asking to send Mark to him. He says, he's useful to me in my ministry. And so this is a... This is a temporary lapse for Paul. This is a moment where he gets the gospel wrong and later he realizes and he's restored to Mark and he and Mark serve together again later. But there's lots of things a lot of times that we're motivated to get united around. Like we will, instead of making the gospel the goal, we'll make unity the goal and we'll try to build what we call a church. But this organization is like, we're excited about this. We're excited about this. We're going to do this so that everybody will come together around that. There's nothing that can unite us like the gospel. 
And there's nothing else that matters like the gospel. And it is when we are really seeing who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus and who he's making us in Jesus and the common ground that we all share as people who desperately need Jesus and as people who have been offered everything that we need in Jesus, that's when we realize, yeah, we've got more in common than we'll ever have in our differences. And maybe our differences don't ever become the same. So what? (laughs) The gospel is bigger and the gospel matters more and the gospel is what defines us. And so let's just pray right now that as God builds us as a church and builds us as a family, that it'll be around the gospel, around this truth of who he is and what he's done and his grace to us through Jesus. So just pray for a minute and ask God to unite us around the gospel. Father, please unite us around the gospel. May Jesus and his gospel be the priority for us. May Jesus and his gospel be the foundation of this church and of our lives. And may Jesus and his gospel be the only thing that's built on that foundation. Father, I pray that if people were to come and cut us open, that we would bleed the gospel. Make us that type of church. Draw us together in love for one another because we see, we see our common brokenness and we see our common need and we see our common sinfulness and we see our common desperation and then we see our common hope in your grace and in Jesus that you have given us what we need and you have met us in our desperate state and you have rescued us out of it. May we love celebrating that together. May we love living for that together. Please, Father, unite us around the gospel. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And then the the last one from this section that stood out to me is the fact that this is a failure in the early church. And in some ways, if you consider like the, the prominent position that Paul and Barnabas were in, this is a massive failure in the early church. For, for two leaders this significant who had been on this first missionary journey to part ways and to not serve together anymore, that you feel like, well, this is, well, there, there goes the mission team. There, there goes God's work reaching the nations. We've got one mission team. God specifically called them out by name in chapter 13, and now they've blown it. Except what does God do? This one mission team blows up And now Barnabas takes Mark on a mission trip and Paul takes Silas on a mission trip and the one mission team that blew up because of their failures and their mistakes and their failure to live up the gospel turns into two mission teams that God's using now to reach the nations with the gospel. And so this this prayer thought, ask God to redeem 
our failures and bring about greater good than could have been otherwise. This is what he does. He takes our mess and then he makes it into something even better than there could have been if there had never been a mess. And this does require something on our part. It requires the humility to admit that we blow it, that we don't get it all right, that the the best hope we have is not us getting it all right. The best hope we have is his grace making it all right. That he'll come in and take broken people and imperfect people and he will do a work that only he can do. And so for us to come humbly in this next moment as you're praying and just to admit the failures in your heart, the failures in your life, the failures of our church, the failures of your leadership, that we are a bunch of imperfect, insufficient, inadequate people. And if God's going to do something great, God's going to have to do something great. And he does, this is what he promises, this is what he does. We see him do it over and over and over through the whole story of the Bible. It's what we saw in Matthew 1 with all these people who totally messed up their lives and their families and God used every one of them to bring about Jesus. And so we're going to pray this right now. This is the honest confession of, yeah, we, we don't get all this right. We're not getting all this right right now. Will you redeem it? Will you bring about greater good than could have been otherwise? So will you pray that with me right now? Father, we confess our failures. We confess how short we fall compared to who you are and what you deserve from us as your people, compared to what you are worth. Father, what we give you is so small and imperfect and impure even in our best moments the best things that we would offer you are almost immediately tainted by the pride that we have and the fact that we did something good and the tendency then to turn to ourselves and look at what we did and start to trust ourselves instead of trusting you father we can't bring you anything without us messing it up and yet you love us and you choose us and you accept us in Jesus and you use us and I thank you for that And I pray that this would be a year of us seeing that in mighty and magnificent ways. That you will take broken people like us who do not get it right apart from you. And you would redeem the broken parts of our lives and the failures and the mistakes. And I pray, Father, I pray so much that we could see areas of full redemption. 
Father, I long for it in ways that I can't even hardly put into words. That we would see you do things that are greater than they could have been otherwise. That we would look and and in my head I imagine us just laughing. Because we think only God can do that. Can you believe it? I can't even believe he did this. Father, I don't just confess for all of us corporately. I do. I confess for me too, and I don't have the time to do it all, but I confess to you the selfishness and self-centeredness that's in my heart. The impatience and the frustration and the discouragement, the lack of faith, the, even in moments of faith, the weak, weak faith. The times when I love myself more than I love you and I love the things of this world more than I love you. I love myself more than I love anybody else I know. Father, I confess to you how much I don't look like Jesus except for the work of Jesus in me. And so I ask you to pour out your spirit on me and on this church and move and work as only you can. Make us like Jesus. Build your church redeem our mess and our brokenness and our failures and bring about greater good that can ever be otherwise. The type of work where we will know it's you and we will praise you and we will thank you and you'll get all the credit and the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, for our next section, we're going to do the first 10 verses of Acts 16. If you want to read through that with me. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The first thing that I want us to pray for out of this section is to pray for spiritual reproduction in our church, in your life. And what I mean is disciples making disciples who then make disciples who make disciples. We see this right here with Paul picking up Timothy and saying, come with me. Come join me in what I'm doing. Let me show you how God's working in my life. Let me train you, teach you, equip you. And we see later on in the New Testament that Paul sets Timothy loose to go and do the same thing Paul's doing. That this is how God reaches the nation. This is how God builds his church. That that God pours into you by his spirit and through other believers so that you'll then pour into other people by his spirit into other believers. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Um, 
and just quickly, we may talk about this more in a few weeks, but also when Paul comes to Derby and Lystra, Lystra is the place on his first trip where he got stoned, where they threw rocks at him until he thought he was dead. And so the place of his worst rejection, trip number one, biggest failure, humanly speaking, you don't get more rejected than they tried to kill me, right, is the place where God then provides his most faithful partner in ministry who serves with him for this mission trip and the next one and the rest of the New Testament. The last letter that Paul writes before he dies is to Timothy. And just, again, immediately, first things you see on the surface, the things that look like your failure, the biggest rejection, it doesn't have the results that you wanted, God coming in and redeeming that. God coming in and bringing spiritual reproduction out of that. That that we assume that that had an impact on Timothy. That he saw Paul's faithfulness. And he sees Paul coming back and saying, yeah, I know what they did the last time I was here, but Jesus is worth it, and here I am again. And so pray. Pray that God will do this in our hearts and in our church. Let's pray for spiritual reproduction, for us to be disciples who are making disciples. Father, we know that you are the source of all life, physical life, but also, most of all, spiritual life, that you are the vine and we are the branches, and apart from you, we can do nothing. And so I ask, Father, that as we are connected to you through faith, that you will pour your life into us and that the power of your life will create new life through us that we will see people coming to faith in Jesus, we will see people growing in their faith in Jesus, that you will make disciples, that you will use us, use this church, use our lives, use all the places that you have placed us and are going to send us in your world to make disciples. And please, Father, pour out your spirit for that purpose. Please take the things in our life that on the surface look like the biggest failures, the things that that most people in the world would say, hey, there's nothing good coming out of that. Look how you've been rejected. Look at the results of that. I pray that you'll take those things, Father, and you'll use them for great good in your kingdom, that you will use them to change lives and change hearts and draw people to Jesus to build your church and advance your kingdom. Father, take our weakness and our failure and our inability and show your strength your success and your power and I pray that you will bring about a great movement a flood, a tsunami of disciple making through this church, disciples who make disciples who make disciples by faith in Jesus, for the name of Jesus, for your glory it's in Jesus name that we pray Amen the next prayer that stood out to me in this section was pray that we lay down our rights for the gospel. Remember in chapter 15, Paul has just fought tooth and nail. They don't have to believe, they don't have to follow the Jewish law to be saved. They don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Absolutely not. We will never tell them that. That's not the gospel. And then he takes Timothy with him. He took him 
and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. It's the craziest thing back to back to see that. How fierce and adamant he is that he does not have to do this. But that's the point. He doesn't do it because he has to. He does it for the gospel. He does it because it's more likely he'll reach the Jews if he's becoming like the Jews in that way. And so absolutely, he has every right to say, I don't have to do this. You can't tell me to do this. You can't make me do this. Nothing about trusting Jesus means I have to do this. Absolutely. But his love for the gospel and his love for Jesus and his love for introducing people to Jesus is a thing that says, I'm willing to do this. I don't have to, but I can and I will for the sake of making Jesus known. Pray that'll be our hearts a thousand different ways in your life and my life in this church that we would say, yeah, I want this, I prefer this, I like this, I want to ask for this, is, this is the way I would want it to be. You know what, I'll lay all that down for Jesus and the gospel. So just pray that we'll lay down our rights for the gospel. Father, as your spirit lives in us and works in our hearts, please give us hearts that love you more than we love our rights. Give us hearts that love you more than we love getting our way. And I pray that we'll love Jesus and value Jesus, that we will love his gospel and value his gospel, that we will love other people hearing his gospel and knowing him, that we would love that so much that we're willing to lay down even the things we deserve and also the things that we want because we know that he's better, that this is better. Please do that work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And the last one that stood out to me in this section is pray for the Spirit to lead us and give us soft hearts to submit our plans to his and I got that out of this last section here where we see the spirit stops them from speaking the word in Asia you know Paul's you're just not assuming okay I'm going to tell people about Jesus wherever I go it's where he wants me to be but he stops them so they go through Phrygia and Galatia they end up in Mysia. They attempt to go into Bithynia. The Spirit stops them again. So they pass by Mysia. They go down to Troas. And even when they get to Troas, that's not where God wants them in the end. They get a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here. And that's the next section we're going to see. And we're going to see how God starts the church in Philippi for the very first time. But at each step of the way, it was this sensitivity to, okay, we took this step. God redirected us. So we took that step. God redirected us. So we took that step. God redirected us. I pray that we'll have that kind of heart and that we would trust each redirection. We would trust if he tells us in May, I mean in April, hey, quit your job, start fundraising. Say, okay, I believe you. And then he comes up in June, he's like, here's why. 
Now, he may tell us some things these next couple of months, and we're like, I don't understand. But if he tells us, let's do it. Maybe he'll show us three months from now. Maybe he won't ever show us, and we'll just say, he's still right, and he still knows. But just pray right now with me that the Spirit will lead us and give us soft hearts to submit our plans to God's, whatever those may be. Let's pray that together. Father, please lead us by your Holy Spirit. Give us hearts that trust you more than we trust our plans. Give us hearts that trust what you say more than we trust what we think. And I pray that you will lead us and show us what you want us to do, where you want us to go, who you want us to be as your people. And we ask you to keep producing that in us by your spirit as only you can. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our next section is going to be verses 11 through 21. But I'm just going to stop along the way here and pull these three truths out so that you see them like as soon as we hit them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Will you pray? for God to open hearts to the gospel, our hearts and other people's hearts, that this supernatural spiritual work that he has to do as we're speaking about Jesus, that we'll see him do it in mighty ways this year. Will you pray that right now? Father, please do the spiritual work that only you can do, the the work of changing hearts and opening hearts. We can't do it with our own hearts and we can't do it with anybody else's hearts, but we know that you can and that you promise to do it by your Spirit. And so we ask that this will be a year where we see you giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and other people giving them eyes to see and ears to hear spiritually opening and softening our hearts and others' hearts to believe, to trust Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus. Father, will you please do the heart work that we so desperately need and that only you can do in us and in others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 15 here. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us 
Second thing to pray right here. Pray for God to create community around the gospel. These people don't know each other at all except for Jesus. As far as we know, they've got nothing in common to this moment except for Jesus. But something happens when they both know Jesus and God starts to create community between them where they love each other and want to share their, their home, their wealth, their generosity, their time, their lives with one another. And pray that, that, that this wouldn't just be a place where we come once a week and we do an activity, but that God would start to build community and relationships within the body. That, that we would see an explosion this year of, of small groups, community groups, home groups, home churches. That, that this wouldn't be a place where you can come in a large group setting and disappear and hide for an hour, hour and a half, two hours on Sunday mornings. But that throughout the week that we'd be sharing our lives with one another that God would create these type of relationships through the gospel. So pray for God to create community around the gospel. Father, I pray that your gospel will so change our hearts and produce in us the love that you give to us, that our relationships with one another will start to reflect your relationship with us, that our love for one another will start to reflect your love for us. And I pray that you will build up relationships and, and groups and connections within our body where people can grow strong together in their faith, love each other and walk together and pray together in the ways that that can only happen in, in small and intimate settings of three and four and five, six, eight. Father, I pray that we would see production and reproduction of that type of community this year. Please do it by your spirit in us and please do it around the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Picking back up in verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. It was all well and good, as long as Paul was just talking about this stuff. But as soon as it affected their income, their money, their wealth, people got really angry really, really fast. And it was really costly for Paul and Silas. They're arrested. They end up in prison. And this, this thought came to me for us to pray for. Pray for us to love Jesus 
not the things of this world. If following Jesus costs us the things of this world, then I pray we'll know that Jesus is worth it. So will you pray that for us right now? Father, please give us pure hearts that are undivided. Not hearts that love Jesus a little bit in this world a little bit, or Jesus a little bit in this world a lot, but pure hearts that love Jesus and Jesus alone. Help us be a church and a people who loves Jesus and not the things of this world. Help us believe the core of who we are, that Jesus is worth it and Jesus is more valuable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're not going to go all the way to the end of chapter 16. Uh, I'm just going to do a few more verses right here. One more sort of main truth as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. Just you want to focus your heart in that direction. And Tasha, if you want to go ahead and go get the kids and let them be coming in so they can take the Lord's Supper with us. Pick up in verse 22 here with me. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And if you read the rest of the chapter, you know that even though they're set free, they stay. The jailer thinks he's lost all the prisoners and he's about to kill himself. And Paul calls out and says, don't kill yourself, we're still here. And he can't comprehend it. And this turns into the, the platform that Paul uses to share the gospel with this jailer. And he and his whole household believe and are baptized and become part of this initial group that God is using to build the church in Philippi and just connect it back to everything. Paul getting redirected, 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 redir a vision, calling him across the ocean to Macedonia. God knew what he was doing. God saw things they didn't see. Even him getting arrested and beaten and thrown in prison, God knew what he was doing. But this is what I want to pull out for us. Pray that we will sing in the dark. At this moment right here, arrested, imprisoned, in the stocks at midnight, Paul and Silas are still trusting, still believing, still praying, still worshiping. They don't see it yet. They don't know how it's going to play out yet. Sing in the dark for these reasons. Here's the biggest one. Because God's not done. That earthquake can come at any moment. The things that he has in mind, he says the word. And so we're asking him to do it. And so when we don't see it yet, we still trust. Pray that you'll sing in the dark because God's not done. Because we trust God. And because Jesus is worth it. 
So I'm going to ask you to pray through that right now as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. Kids, we're all praying together, and you can pray with us right here. That in the really hard and sad moments in life, when we don't have all the answers yet, that we'll keep trusting God, keep worshiping God, keep believing that God has more planned, and we may see it really soon and really fast and in really big ways, or maybe we don't sometimes, and we keep trusting Him because we know that He's worth it. So will you pray that right now? Father, we trust you. Help us to trust you more. We believe that you're not done. You're not done with your work in this world. You're not done with your work in this church. You're not done with your work in us. And Father, we ask to see it. I do pray that you'll send the type of earthquakes that shake things up that are unexpected and supernatural can only be explained in your move and your work and that you'll use them to, to build your church and for people to come to know Jesus and to bring about spiritual growth. Father, I pray we'll see that this year. But I also pray that in the moments where we don't see it that we'll still know that you are doing it that you're still not done, that we'll still trust you, that we'll still know that you're worth it. I pray that we will sing and praise you when we see it because of who you are. And I pray that we will sing and praise you when we don't see it because of who you are, because you are still who you are. Give us that type of faith. Work in our hearts in that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is the ultimate example of that ever. This is why you know that when it's dark and it's midnight and you're beaten and battered, it's not over. Because the darkest moment in the history of the world was Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, innocent, sinless, the perfect Son of God, utterly and completely betrayed and rejected and cast out. My sin and your sin on him. The wrath of God poured out on him for our sake. The Father turning away from the Son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The darkest moment in the history of the world. And God wasn't done. There was actually another earthquake coming that rolled a stone away. And Jesus was resurrected. That was God's last word about it. That he buried your sin. He buried your shame. He buried your failure. He buried your rejection. And Jesus came to life.
and power and righteousness to give you everything that you need to be made right with God. And if God has given us his own son, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Pray this year like you believe that. Will you pray that God has things to give us in Jesus, things to do in Jesus? And we're going to ask and we're going to expect and we're going to trust him. If you've written these prayer points down this week, will you take them home with you and pray through them this week? If you haven't, listen, all this is going to be on, if, if you go to YouTube and search for the church, you can bring up the recording of the live stream. Tomorrow sometime the sermon will be up there. You can just scroll them on your computer, all the same prayer points. But pray with me this week. We're going to keep doing things throughout the next month and throughout the year to emphasize the type of prayer and fasting that we see in the book of Acts. But we just want to start with this today. God has things to do in Jesus because of what Jesus has done. And so as we take the Lord's Supper right now, take it believing these truths. Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. When Paul was writing about the Lord's Supper to the Corinthians, he ended by saying, and as long as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That until he comes is a reminder this morning that God's not done. That the Lord's death is not the end of the story. The midnight moment, the darkness, the prison is not the end of the story. He's got more to do, more to show, more ways to work. And so we're going to keep asking him to do that. Right now we're going to sing one more song together and worship together as we close this morning. Will you stand with us and sing?